0: And welcome to Midday Moms, it's Dorothy Polarski. We have a very special guest today, um, sharing on a topic that I think all moms are interested in and that's the topic of marriage. Now, before I formally introduce Robert, I would like to tell you a little bit about our ministry. For those of you maybe that are joining us for the first time, um, again, my name is Dorothy Polarski, and I have the privilege of running a ministry called CatholicMomsGroup.com. I always say three words, CatholicMomsGroup.com, and we're on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood primarily by helping parishes start Catholic Moms Groups. I would ask if you're interested in starting a Catholic Moms Group, head on over to catholicmomsgroup.com. And in the meantime, I'll introduce Robert LeBlanc. Hello, Robert. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm very blessed, Dorothy. How are you doing today?
0: Good, good. Um, It's such an honor and privilege to uh, have you here. I want to tell all of you just a little bit more about Robert before um, we begin our reflection discussion on marriage. So after 28 years in Catholic education, Robert is now the lay pastoral associate of St. Bernadette's Parish in, it's Whitby, is that right? In, Whit- in Ajax. In Ajax, sorry. In Ajax. in Ajax.
1: People will tell you that Whitby is a suburb of Ajax, but that kind of doesn't go over well either. But yeah, all in that same area in South Durham region, so east of Toronto.
0: Okay, so in the Archdiocese of Toronto. So for our international listeners, um, you know, if you're looking to get in contact with uh, Robert, you can do so easily by looking up St. Bernadette's Parish. Um, he is the founder of the Catholic Moment Apostulate and the co-host of the Pints and Pews podcast, uh, Robert has written two books. One of them is called Five Smooth Stones, which I enjoyed immensely. And I highly ac- recommend that you read it. The second is, Who Do You Say That I Am? And Other Questions Christ Asked Us. And um, I haven't read this one yet. I have read uh, The Five s- Smooth Stones, so I do uh, encourage you to, to get it. If if people are interested in getting your books, Robert, where can they get
1: them? There's two places that you can pick up the books. You can go over to my own website, catholicmoment.ca, and there's a little shop there where the, the books are available. Or you can get them also from the publisher, uh, Justin Press. Justin Press is a great Canadian Catholic publisher out of Ottawa, and they have also some other amazing titles there as well. So either or um, both places, CatholicMoment.ca or at Justin Press. And you just put that into Google and you find their website I don't have memorized, but.
0: Yeah, no, no, no problem. So um, tonight, uh, Robert is going to sort of start the discussion with a reflection on Uh, Marriage uh, strengthened by faith. You know, we were kind of playing with the title a little bit like, how can your Catholic faith help your marriage? Um, we need as much help as we can in our marriage, right, ladies? <laughs> uh, so, also.
1: Gentlemen, gentlemen also. Gentlemen also.
0: <laughs> gentlemen also.
1: Sometimes I think the gentlemen need more help than the ladies, and we'll oh. get into that in a little bit.
0: Oh, so I'm um, looking forward to hearing your reflection on marriage, and if I pop in from time to time, you don't mind that with a question or something like that?
1: No, hundred percent. Like marriage, it should be a conversation, and it's complementary. And again, those are a couple of little things that we'll we'll talk about in there as okay. well. Okay,
0: fantastic. So well, I'm going to um, open the floor to you, as they say, and uh, look forward to hearing your thoughts and your wisdom.
1: Well, thank you very much, Dorothy. First, I have to say it, it is such a blessing to join you here on Midday Moms. Uh, I've listened to a number of your, your episodes on the podcast version. Uh, I find it difficult for the YouTube when I'm in the car, because that's usually where I listen in and I should be paying more attention to the road in front of me <laughs> than the YouTube. Right. So uh, I'll usually listen in on the podcast version. Um, I do have to say that you might need to get to confession after this, after all of uh, what you've just said about the book and and other things. So, but uh, I I thank you so much for that introduction.
0: And I I need to thank you because it was Robert actually that um, made it possible for us to have a podcast. Um, He's been instrumental in uh, producing well, doing whatever he does. I don't know if I'm using the, 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 ma-
1: the magic behind the scenes. <laughs> the magic <laughs> yeah.
0: behind the scenes. So I'm really grateful uh, to, to Robert uh, for that. Um, so
1: there's... thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll get started. I have to say, as as you mentioned, I'm co-host of the Pints and Pews podcast, and we just recorded a, an episode last night. I'm more used to doing these with a, a pint of beer in hand. Uh, I've got my my water bottle ready to go when I need a sip. But, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be just as jovial without the beer as as I am uh, with with that. Um, I want to say that usually I give this talk to men's groups.
0: OK. okay?
1: And, and most of the time, well, usually all the time I, I give this talk to men's group and usually a week or so after. So, for example, I gave this in my own parish and a couple of weeks after, a couple of the wives came up and they said, "I don't know what you said at that talk,
0: but uh, <laughs> keep on saying it." My, my
1: husband is like a new man, and and just the the aspects of the faith then that were were being brought out. So hopefully, I can can bring that out here this evening, uh, as well, because really, and it's one of the first things we'll talk about, uh, as far as, you know, the, the two made one flesh, really, we are a cohesive unit. So what you're saying to one spouse, you really are saying to, to both anyways, right. Uh, right off the top, uh, j- just a couple of caveats, a couple of, of disclaimers, I guess. Um, number one, I'm not a marriage counselor. Uh, like Dorothy said in the introduction, 28 years uh, in Catholic education here in Ontario, uh, and now lay pastoral associate. Uh, marriage counselor is nowhere in and among that. This is really kind of based on my own observations um, and reflections on our own marriage. Uh, before I even started giving these talks, and I'd originally written this as an article before it went anywhere public, uh, it went through my wife. So this has all been wife approved. Uh, the the nila upstat and the imprimatur comes, comes from Ellie. Uh, on that, but again, that just comes in. We'll talk about the, the trust in, in marriage as well. Uh, but also need to say, like, our marriage is not perfect. Uh, I'll be the first one to admit that our marriage is not perfect. Uh, and the reason why it's not perfect is because I'm a part of it. I bring all of my, I, no, I, I bring all of my, my mom tells me all the time that our marriage isn't perfect because I'm part of it. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> right. That's, that's like, thanks mom. Uh, but it's just, yes, yeah, simple observations. Uh, w- one week from, tomorrow, as we're recording this, so possibly by the time people see it, we'll already be there, we'll be celebrating 27 years of marriage. So next week is our 27th wedding anniversary. And like I said, this is really from 27 years of observation and reflection. And it really stems from 27 years ago, we went to at least a dozen weddings, right? when we're at that age where everybody seemed to be getting married. And it was at least a dozen, if not more weddings that we went to in the course of 1996, uh, of which only four couples remain. Oh, wow. Right? Only four couples remain. So like that's one third, not one third, one quarter. I was the religion teacher, not the math teacher. So (laughs) but it's a shocking amount that didn't make it. And so my wife and I started asking ourselves why, what makes us different? What makes our relationship so different than the others? And the one thing that kept standing out to us was our Catholic faith. It was our Catholic faith that made us as a couple different from many others. And it's not to say that the others weren't Catholic, but the way that the faith was and is a, a part of our identity as a married couple. And this is just so very countercultural. To remain a a married couple uh, these days, what you see on TV, on Netflix, in the tabloids, it it all points in a different direction, Uh, and it really points in the direction of marriage being uh, a consumerist uh, package. Marriage is something that is to be bought or traded, uh, and yeah, it's we we approach it the same way we approach buying a car. or so our, in, our, in our culture, that's the
0: way it is in our, in
1: our culture, yeah, not in our Catholic faith. In our our, yeah, culture. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what makes us stand out and, and different. And uh, I always remember uh, as a child, and God bless my father, who's passed away. Um, but I remember on my mom's 40th birthday, my dad was joking that he was going to trade her in for two twenties, Right. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, they they before my dad they made it to forty nine years of marriage before my dad passed away so obviously he wasn't being serious about that yeah um but that is kind of the mentality the notion. that's out there yeah right. it's like the same with our cell phones as soon as uh, you know there's the the newer better version comes out well we're gonna chuck the cell phone and get get the new one and a lot of times our society calls us to approach marriage in the same way. Right.
0: Now, Robert, can I just yeah interpret- slow me
1: down because I'll just keep going.
0: No, no. Well, one thing, and I don't know whether you've noticed it as well, but one thing that my husband and I are seeing and we're kind of like, Oh my goodness. Um, it just seems like a lot of, a lot of young adult Catholics are now not even getting married in, oh, in churches. They're not making their marriage a sacramental one. And, um, so they came from, you know, "quote unquote," a Catholic family. Are are you
1: seeing that as well? Where, to to a certain degree, yes, and a lot of that stems from uh, a greater problem just in living our Catholic faith. Right? They're they're not getting married in the Catholic Church. They're not sacramentalizing their marriage, but they're not sacramentalizing the rest of their lives either. either. Yes. And a lot of times I look back and I'll very often say that our generation is kind of the uncatechized generation. We really weren't brought up in that Catholic culture where, where, where our faith permeated the culture as well. So there hasn't been a whole lot of catechesis. And you so
0: know, I'm, I'm Polish and, <laughs> and brought up by a very Polish devout mom in this kind of Polish bubble. So I'm just gonna sneak an exception to that. I, I, I'm yeah. Blessed to have a um, you know, very two devout parents and they had the Felician sisters um, you know, giving us their us our formation with the Baltimore Catechism. So <laughs> I was yeah, yeah. one of the very lucky ones. So Anyway, just and, and so, just like not even inviting God into one's marriage. So, we have this culture that you know views marriage and husbands and wives as being disposable, and now we're taking it the next level, saying, Well, we don't need, even need God in our marriage. So, yeah,
1: and, and that comes back. And I was just about to mention this for um, Venerable Fulton Sheen, and he has this amazing talk, and you can find it on YouTube, I'm sure you can find it on a podcast. Uh, somewhere else, but, you know, three to get married, mm-hmm. right? It, it takes three people to get married, right? A husband, wife, and God. And God really needs to be a part of that relationship. He needs to be the, the central part of that relationship. And just coming back to these young couples, the one thing I am seeing, and again, now as a lay pastoral associate, I'm working more in the parish. What I'm seeing is these young people as they starting to realize that something is missing in their life mm-hmm. and they're starting to see the, the joy and the comfort and the strength that faith can bring to their life. They also then start seeing that the faith can bring that to their marriage and they are looking to actually sacramentalize their marriage. So they may have gotten married at City Hall five or six years ago and they're now coming to realize right. Yes, we need God in our marriage as well. And they're coming to the church um, to just sacramentalize
0: the marriage. Talking, you know, so for those of you that are listening, um, perhaps, you know, you sort of started off living together and now you're still living together, but you're still um, Catholic. One thing to seriously consider is to go back to church if you're not going and and sacramentalize your 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 marriage. We're inviting you, Roberta, yep. and I are inviting you. Um,
1: Come on mom. <laughs> um, no, please. Yeah, take have the courage to take that first step. And whatever is in the past, and whatever is is haunting you from the past, uh, that can get dealt with in the confessional, right? And uh, myself as well. And this isn't about my, my testimony, but myself as well. Went for a long period of time without. Going to regular confession. And once I did, just the freedom and the and the weight that, that came from that. So again, that invitation to come back and sacramentalize the marriage, but not just sacramentalize the marriage, sacramentalize your, your whole life with, with all the sacraments in the church. Uh, and again, because it, it it pervades the entirety of your identity as a couple. And so The six facets of the faith that I wanted to talk about that we see strengthen our marriage, uh, are trust and forgiveness, humility and service, and thanksgiving and prayer. And I kind of wanted to to look at each one of those individually, but as we work through them, we'll also see how they all work together and and bring about uh, that faith identity, that Catholic identity within our marriage which as long as much as the marriage isn't perfect, it helps strengthen it so that we are able to walk this journey together as husband and wife, uh, towards Christ. Right. And so we'll start with, with trust. Okay. And I'm just going to ask everyone to excuse me because I I have my, my notes here to, to go through, but, uh, that's why I look at the camera, look down here, look over here. Um, it helps keep me on track as well. Otherwise, we'll be here for like three or four hours. My, my co-host, Dennis, is always going on. We need to keep the, the length of the episodes down. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we, we. impossible. Impossible. Um, so we'll begin with, with with trust. And we'll begin with the, the beginning of the wedding when the, we send out the invitations. And so often we get these wedding invitations that, you know, the, the very kitschy, you know, today I will marry my best friend. Right, and to a certain degree, yes, this this person has to be your best friend, but it needs to be so much more. Right, the the reality of marriage, it's a deeper friendship, and it, and it goes beyond, uh, you know, just marrying your buddy. Right, and so I'll use buddy, but That's like I said, I'm used to giving this talk to guys. right? So, <laughs> uh, but. God has a plan for each and every one of us God has a plan for each one of our vocations and God has had that plan for us since our conception right and this is one of the the, the beautiful concepts that I, I glean from Saint John Paul II and his theology of the body uh, I w- and I would strongly suggest like reading theology of the body uh, made me a better husband it helped me sleep at night too like theology of the body is a pretty dense read. Or or a a compendium, but go through the the thoughts that St. John Paul II put out there in Theology of the Body. But God has had a a plan for us since conception, and and God's plan for us includes our spouse. So from the moment we were conceived, God had a plan for us to marry a particular person. All right? And it's just so beautiful once you do find that that person, right? And God's plan for that, since conception, is for us to complement and complete each other. And God's plan is for that person to make you a better you. Mm-hmm. And so that's why Christ says, you know, when He is talking about marriage, you know, man leaves his parents and clings to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, when Christ Pulled that out. He was talking about divorce, but it just speaks volumes about marriage. We are called to marry the person we were destined for since conception. If we're called to the vocation of marriage, right? We might not be called to the vocation of marriage as well. We can be called to the the vocation of religious life. You know, the thing that gets in the way of all that is our hardness of heart, right? And. Again, Christ says that it's you know because Moses allowed you to divorce because of your hardness of heart because as fallen humans we get to be so stubborn sometimes that it's like God no you might have a plan for me but I know what's better and that's kind of when the, when the troubles start in in so many different ways
0: right Can I just pipe in a, Oh a, please Yeah a, well the the just too I think the I know the times where I have you know. Oh fallen in, into trouble is that, you know, sometimes when we get kind of quote unquote triggered in our marriages for this reason or for that, that it's so tempting not to look at your own weaknesses, right? It's so tempting.
1: Oh, well, we'll talk about that in a minute.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yes. And so that there's this, you know, the marriage I remember once listening to a talk by Scott Hahn, and he he talked about marriage being a, a crucible that involved a tremendous amount of, um, mm-hmm. you know, suffering because we're forced to face so much, right? And if mm-hmm. we don't think mm-hmm. things about ourselves, and anyway, I'll let you continue. But yeah,
1: no, no, please. And like I said, well, we'll that that's all mixed in there. But uh, again. When we're the, the two that becomes one flesh, uh, we're called to operate as one, as a cohesive unit. And I whenever I talk about this, when I would talk about this with my students, I would always put my hands like this. We're, we're complementary, that we're we're meant to, to fit together and we're meant to to help each other out. Um and we talk about you know the the fact that we're even made from the same flesh and you know that Eve was formed from or fashioned from Adam's rib. And I heard a a speaker once ask, you know, why did God choose the rib? And some poor guy in the front row says, well, it's because Adam had an extra one. And the speaker says, well, you go home tonight and you tell your wife she's a spare rib, right? (laughs) (laughs) But we're created... Eve was created from from Adam's rib because we're supposed to be side by side. We're supposed to be side by side. Uh you know not from the the skull as a, to be superior or from a bone from the foot would be inferior but from the side, you know, from the rib side by side. And that's emblematic as as well of Christ's own pierced side where the blood and water gush forth, right? And that that life-saving blood and water from the side of Christ. And that is meant to join us and bring us closer together as a as husband and wife. And to come back to that notion of trust, like if you can't trust yourself, the two made one flesh, if you can't trust yourself, who can you trust? All right? And so it comes back to, again, this notion, marriage is not a marriage of two individuals. And we'll talk about that. I'll mention that a number of times. Like, marriage is not two individuals it's it's one cohesive unit we're not meant to be identical like we're, we're not identical twins uh, but we're meant to be complementary and, and com- completing each other and you were talking just a moment ago as, as far as you know looking at your own faults and your own weaknesses uh, uh, your your husband's strengths are meant to make up for your weaknesses and your strengths are meant to make up for his weaknesses so you can work together and make each other better. And and it's, you know, you bring your strengths into the marriage to better the other, not to tear them down. And that we have to be very, very careful of as well, right? That we need to leave our sarcasm at the door when it comes to to married life.
0: And, and, (laughs) and,
1: And that's like, that's very tough for some of us. Myself included, right? Um, But we're there to to bolster each other up. And from that, then, the the trust, we need to trust the better judgment of the other. We need to trust that the other one is not looking to chastise or correct us, but they're looking to help. So as much as we can't be sarcastic when we bring our, our strengths to the table, we can't be defensive when we bring our weaknesses to the table either because again you're working together in a way that is complementary right to to move forward and once we we build up this trust and it's not something that happens overnight right that's one of the the wisdoms of the church that asks you to wait at least a year to get married so that you do have that time to to build up that trust right and it just dawned on me the other day when I was thinking about that it was it's very much the same as Mary and Joseph had that year of betrothal as well, before they lived under the same roof. And it's the wisdom of our faith that's there to help build up our trust with one another. Right. And this trust I find in reflecting on our marriage is built on forgiveness. And that forgiveness needs to be a huge part of that trust building process as we move forward as as husband and wife. And so when it comes to forgiveness, I just wanted to to share quickly here from Ephesians. Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander together with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. And as I was preparing this tonight, and I was rereading that, um, uh, the first thing that jumped to my mind too was, you know, Christ told us, you know, love one another as I have loved you. All right? The first time he spoke about it, he says, you know, love one another as you would like to be loved. And then he realizes we have a hard time loving ourselves sometimes. I want you to love each other the, the same way I loved you.
0: Can you reread that passage from Ephesians?
1: Put away from you all bitterness and wrath and anger and wrangling and slander, together with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you.
0: Wow! Right. That is uh, I, I, I don't know. I I I don't recall ever having read that passage or maybe it's just struck me today in a in a particular way and um i i don't think men do this as much i you know obviously i don't know but i know that very often you know one thing i had to sort out in some of my friendships with other kind of call them girlfriends where you get together over coffee, where, you know, certain friendships kind of led me to like a bit of a Quebec Quebec session, complaining session about, you know, about our husbands. And then it struck me once I thought, this is gossip. And Mm. to the, about the person that I'm, have been entrusted to by God. And so I, I found myself um, you know, running to confession and then having to work really hard to renegotiate those friendships, where I just would not go there. Right? I wouldn't
1: have. And those. that's difficult. Yeah. That, oh my. I, that that is difficult, and especially like you say, you get into that milieu, and as you're saying that, a, you know, a, a story popped up in in my mind, an experience of my own. So. You're saying that with your, your girlfriends, you're, you're having to at the, the coffee shop with the guys. Sometimes it's in the locker room. Yeah. Right? yeah. And yeah, I, when I'm in the, the, the locker room, I find it very uncomfortable at times. And mm-hmm. the way some of the guys are talking about their wives. And I remember the one time, uh, and it, again, it took a while for me to get to the place where I could do this. But the, the one guy was going on and on and on about his ex-wife. And then I finally just looked at him, I said, did you ever wonder why she's your ex-wife? <laughs> and the volume in that change room <laughs> boom, boom. Oh. <laughs> right? But sometimes we need to be confronted with that. And and it needs to be done in a loving way. And it needs to, you need to know the relationship that you have with those people that you're sitting around the coffee table with, or that you're hanging out in the locker room with, and you need to know when you can make a comment like that and and, and not. And, and the same with our, our marriages, there will be sometimes where we have to have difficult conversations, but you need to build up that trust to know when you can and, and when you can't. Um, but yeah, we we can't uh, we can't be holding those grudges in, no, in our marriage. And,
0: you know, and it's particularly, I think, toxic when you know and and wrong and is it you know it's like when a a spouse complains to their children about the, the you know and I just yeah. it's like oh my goodness right because how is that building up the partner in the eyes of the other kids? And, and and there's so many, you know, mistakes that I've made that we all have made and, um, yeah. and, And taking them to the sacrament of reconciliation, I think is, is extremely, extremely important.
1: Oh, very, very much so. And from that, and as we grow and mature, in that understanding of ourselves. Um, we had a former pastor and, and my wife and I, we always talk about this. The one thing, I mean, he said many things from the pulpit and we remember a lot of them. The one thing that's really stuck with us is that when you're pointing your finger at your spouse, right? Just remember, you've got three more fingers that are pointing right back at you, all right? <laughs> and that's, that's really stuck with us. And, and even before he said that, I always approach things like, you know, if there's something that my wife is doing that's driving me crazy, I stop for a moment and then I realize I probably drive her a million times more crazy with all of my little idiosyncrasies, right? That I really shouldn't be making a mountain out of this molehill. And I'm not going to, this isn't about me airing the the dirty laundry or the the things that go on here in our house, but it's just my, again, my reflection is that, yeah, you know, if there's a little something that kind of drives me bananas, it's guaranteed I'm doing something that's even worse, right? So, like I said, my, my mom keeps saying, our marriage isn't perfect because I, I'm a part of it. And it comes back to, and it's a, a little bit like what you were just talking about, but we, we need to take the log out of our own eye before we look at the splinter in someone else's, right? Yeah. And and from that then, three, three of the hardest words in a marriage would be, I forgive you, right? Yeah. And, and so from that and, and recognizing that, our, our spouse isn't necessarily looking to drive us crazy, and they're, they're probably not even doing it on purpose. They're probably not even aware, but saying that I forgive you. And to forgive isn't necessarily to forget, and to forgive isn't necessarily to look the other way. Right? And it depends really on, on, on what is your call to forgive. But to forgive someone is to say, you have hurt me but I love you anyways, right? You have hurt me, but I still love you, right? And we look past the hurt to the love. And this comes again from that sense of trust and and trusting that our spouse didn't want to hurt us, right? More than likely they didn't realize that what they were doing was, was being hurtful. And a lot of times, uh, we notice that the pain, there's more pain in realizing that we've hurt the one we love than actually being the one that was hurt. Right. And from that, and we were alluding to this a moment ago from that, sometimes there is a need to have difficult conversations. right? Don't let your anger linger with your spouse. You know, and having these conversations, you know, helps build trust within the within the relationship. Uh, I've had in other relationships as well where there's a perceived hurt and then I let it linger and it just eats at me. And then it ends up affecting the rest of my, my life as well where if we can have that difficult conversation and be honest and loving, and, and that's really the key is to be honest, But do it in a charitable way. Do it in a loving way. You can't have these difficult conversations in the heat of the moment. You can't come to these conversations from a place of anger or a place of, of seeking vengeance. They need to be calm and measured and well thought out. Because we also have to remember, once something has been said, it cannot be unsaid right? Hopefully, hopefully these conversations are very few and far between. Uh, I know and I'm very blessed within our marriage. For us, they have been very few and far between. Again, the three fingers pointing back this way. Uh, it's usually been my wife who's come to me to say, like, clean up your act. Listen, listen here. This isn't the way God called us to be. This is not how God wants our family to be. And because it's done out of the heat of the moment and it's done in a way that's loving and, and charitable, I can go, Yeah, you're right. You're right. And so, as much as she's coming with those difficult words to say, Here's the hurt. I love you anyway. I forgive you. It then leads me to say the other three hardest words I think that we have in marriage, which is, I'm sorry right <laughs> no. i'm sorry and, and so that's where humility comes in right so we the, the trust that's built on forgiveness and the forgiveness that comes from a, a place of humility right and so as as difficult as i forgive you is it's even more difficult to say i'm sorry right Um I remember talking to a friend, and this is a number of years ago, uh, and he was newly married and saying, you know, what are your thoughts about being married? And he, he stopped for a moment and you could see he was thinking, he said, it's not for the selfish. You know, marriage is not for the selfish. When the, the two become one flesh, our identity melds together. Uh, and we really need to to check our ego at the altar. And so, again, from that comes that notion, we, we need to be ready to say, I'm sorry, I goofed. It's it's not all about me anymore. It's about us. And, and that notion in and of itself is very countercultural. And we, we said right off the top how countercultural it is to be a faith-filled, Christ-centered marriage. And it's countercultural because it's in the smaller percentage that seems to, to last. But it's also very countercultural for us to bring that humility and to, like I said, check our ego at the altar and become two people that become one flesh. And a lot of ways, again, those of us that have been raised uh, in a more North American middle class milieu, I was raised on the mantra, you can do whatever you want, don't let anyone tell you any different."
0: Well, I I think, you know, you're saying that we've got to leave our, you know, check our ego uh, at the altar. I think that, you know, for the women out there, we've got to check feminism out at the altar, right? Like, there have been so many things that the, like, you know, I'm a quote-unquote practicing catholic striving to practice my faith but yet the indoctrination of what it means you know to be a female and what it means to assert yourself and have your voice spoken and have your voice heard and be a it's it's caused you know some damage in our marriage because i wasn't pondering things in my heart I was letting them rip you know and yeah, so yeah. I, I I wanted to just throw that out there too that the men have to check their ego and then the women have to check you know and and some of us have taken on some of these you know feminist a uh, bit of a feminist mindset without even kind of realizing it because it was such a surreptitious um indoctrination but anyway that's a no know.
1: but that that leads perfectly into to kind of what i was going to, to share next and you know, the, the whole notion of like you said we could say to, to, toxic masculinity or toxic feminism and in a lot of ways it's because those words have been misdefined by the society as well as to what true feminism is and what true masculinity is Uh, And that's a whole other rabbit hole. And then we could be here for hours on end. (laughs) And and it's also a rabbit hole that I don't have much competency to speak about either. I would just start saying something which would be completely not correct and get myself into all kinds of trouble. Yeah, no,
0: no. And I'm I'm with you there, but I've just been slowly recognizing it in myself um, so anyways, let's let's move yeah. on with that. so
1: like like I said, that, that leads me kind of into the, the next idea I wanted to bring with that in the notion of humility, and I wanted to read from Ephesians five, which I think is the most misunderstood and most shunned of all the scripture readings that are offered for the sacrament of marriage. So from Ephesians five, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives be subject to your husbands just as the church is subject to Christ. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And I can imagine, like you're saying, those feminism alarm bells start start going off. And part of it is because we don't get to the next the next line. But this notion of, of obedience, I was reading an article in the St. Anthony Messenger uh, a month or so ago, and there was an article about this. And it equated obedience actually with trust because obedience is a choice. And, And I'm not saying here that we need to be obedient, again, within the definition of the term, but we can make a choice to be trusting that the other one in our relationship that we can make the choice to trust that our spouse has a, their best intentions for us. And mm-hmm. really that that's where it's coming from. Uh, we can decide, we can choose that they don't have our best intentions. So then we're not going to listen to them. Right. And so we can take that that notion that uh, you know, wives are called to trust their husbands the same way that the church trusts Christ. But then I also like to look at the, the next line in there, you know, that you know, husbands are to love their wives as Christ loves the church. And whenever I think of that, and you can't see it here because it's directly above my computer screen, but I look to the crucifix. How did Christ love the church? He was sacrificial for, for the church. And so it's, you know, kind of the the role of each spouse to be sacrificial for the other and to bring that sacrificial love. Um, and then again, coming back to the reading and that the when we look at that and I have these conversations with my wife and she always has a bit of a wry grin when she will explain, you know, Robert thinks he's the head of the family, but I'm the neck. And I can turn which way the head to to, to go. But when you, and we laugh about that, but when you think about it, the head can't exist without the neck and the neck doesn't exist without the head. Both have to go together to make a complete complementary unit, right? And so this reading and and what you you were mentioning as far as, you know, kind of, checking feminism at the altar, us as men checking our masculinity, checking our our egos at the altar, we're reminded that the other must come first. Again, where the two made one flesh, we need to make the other one come first. The the notion of sacrificial love, that constant looking to the crucifix. And it's not easy. There there are some days I come home and uh, exhausted And blood pressure is through the roof. And the last thing you want to do is is make supper or play with your children. Uh, You just want to go in the room and shut the door. But I stop myself and go, no, this is a moment where I'm being called to sacrifice my will to the greater good of my family. Right. And this is, again, it's just something that I need constant reminders myself for and thinking again of ourselves as a a cohesive unit and when i talk again i keep saying the two made one flesh i always make again my hands like this Uh, another way of thinking about the the humility we have to have we have to have uh, the humility of a dryer sheet sometimes and when you think about when you do your laundry. and We hang our, our laundry, so we don't really use the, the dryer sheet that often. But when you, you put your clothes through the, the wash uh, and, and through the dryer and you pull them out, there's always that hunt for the dryer sheet because you don't want it to be discovered when you're walking in to give a big presentation and it's stuck to the back of your shirt or your sweat. But it fits itself and it moves with you and it takes on the same form. So it's still too... Objects, your clothing, and the dryer sheet, but they're working as as one, and in in a certain way, sacrificing their their identity to to work together. Right? And so, this cohesiveness can only come from that open communication, like I was talking about, having the the trust that once your spouse is coming to you with something that they're coming from a place of of wanting to better you, wanting to compliment you, right? And these are tough and it it takes time and it eventually becomes intuitive. And from that, then we can have this notion of, it becomes easier to perform the sacrificial love for one another. And as we go from this notion of humility, I am no longer the center of the universe, but I am a part of this marriage. And again, that coming back to Fulton Sheen, it takes three to get married husband, wife, and God centered, Christ centered on that. Having that humility to love from a place of sacrificial love then brings us to the, the service portion of the. That, that notion the, the the facet that of our faith that that helps strengthen our, our marriage. And so kind of wanted to, when I talk about service, I always like to to go right back to our wedding day and when we, we made our wedding vows. And, and I'm going to go out on a limb, and it could get both of us in a lot of trouble here, Dor- Dorothy. <laughs> but uh, on your wedding day, it was I, Dorothy, take you, John. Uh, right? yeah. Okay, I got it right. <laughs> if I get this wrong, we're both in a whole, whole lot of trouble here. Uh-huh. I, Dorothy, take you, John, for better and for worse, for richer and poorer, in sickness and in health. Right? And my wife and I was the the we made the same vows, right? And so, twenty seven years ago. When we're saying that on our on our wedding day, we're all starry-eyed and we all have these dreams of what the future is going to hold. And when we have these dreams of what the future is going to hold on our wedding day and we're making these vows, a lot of times all we're hearing is I I Robert take you, Ellie, for better, for richer and health <laughs> right We forget about the worse and the poorer and the sickness. Right. Uh, It eventually evolves and it changes, but there comes a time and it's usually fairly early on in the marriage. And it's one of those aha moments, but there comes a time where one spouse is called to serve the other. And I'm not talking in a waiter, waitress, bartender kind of serve. Right. Uh, When I think about that, you know, the spouse is called one spouse is called to serve the other. I think, um you know, that television show, you know, kids say the darndest things and, you know, the, the one boy saying, you know, the, the wife's role is to bring the chips and dip and know to keep them coming. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. And that's not, not what service within marriage is, is all about. It's to serve as an equal. And it's to serve out of a place of love. It's like coming back to our rib. And it's not to say come and serve the, the spare ribs, but to, to serve side by side. Right. Remembering that we are one, right? And so, when you're looking after your spouse, you're looking after yourself. Right? And so, we come to that that part of service, and we can look at our our vows. You know, I take you, Ellie, in sickness. Uh, thanks be to God, we seem to be out of the the, the COVID pandemic. Uh, but I can tell you fairly early on the covid and one of the earlier harsher variants came through our house got me for and I was sick for the first week and just as I was coming out of it was when my my wife came down down with this um and there was just that that service that that comes from that and it the 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 looking after each other the Running to the to the pharmacy to get medications for for one another, or the one that's not sick in bed is you know getting the the juice and the crackers for for the other one, even though both of us were not exactly feeling a hundred percent on that. you know in other times when one maybe has had to have a surgery or when I had my wisdom teeth out when we were, fairly newly married or we were engaged uh ali came and she had all of my medications lined up and you know was looking after the the soup and the prescriptions and and all those things so again that that looking after in sickness uh when it comes to being of service you know for the poor uh the two made one flash the the notion of combined finances and, and that's been something that's more and more recently has been driving me around the bend uh, whether it's dealing with insurance companies uh, or banks or, or other financial institutions or, or other government institutions they keep wanting to treat us separately to the point where we've had to get extra email accounts because these companies, it doesn't compute for them that we share an email account. What, what, do, you, what do you mean? You, it's, um, but the combined finances, and again, Ellie and I were truly blessed in this, is that you know we were both educators, we had very, very similar salaries, right? So there, there wasn't that notion of, of competition that falls into that. But even with that, there still always needed to be that communication when it came, because you still need to be putting the family's needs before your individual personal desires, right? And then uh, we're in it together for the worse as well. Uh, and, uh, in those moments when our responsibilities overwhelm us, right? Uh, and we look to to help each other out. Uh, there'll be times where because of business responsibilities then all of a sudden all of the household responsibilities fall on the shoulders of one of the spouse when it's dinner and the dishes and the kids and the dog and helping out with this and helping out with that and and it's cyclical and as we grow as couples we, we learn the rhythm of our lives but again as the two made one flesh we're there to help each other out uh, when these things come about, right? And we always have a saying in our, our house, you know, what's gonna work, teamwork, right? We're that cohesive unit and we, we we work together and we work together and we look after each other in service to one another, in sickness, in poor, in worse. And then that way, when it comes time for the the health and the richer and the better, we lead into a life of thanksgiving. Right? And, and so that this this service leads to to Thanksgiving uh, and making you know ha, having that kind of permeate our relationships. So that's kind of the the next facet of our Catholic faith. the, the notion of Thanksgiving uh, is integral to our relationship. So hopefully as we're going through, we can see how these are are, are building one on on another. like the, the trust comes from the forgiveness, which comes from humility. And leads to service and now to Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving, I always say it's not just for the second Monday in October or the fourth Thursday in November, depending what side of the, the border you're on. Right? Thanksgiving needs to be a year round event. Right? Um, and coming back to what we were talking about earlier too, kind of in the, the wedding speeches we hear, you know, never go to bed angry. So, you know, coming back to that, when we were talking about forgiveness, Right, Not to be, never be angry with with one another. Don't go to bed angry. Actually, the best wedding advice I've ever heard, and I've heard it twice uh, from the same priest, was at my mother-in-law's church. So one, Ellie, a couple of her cousins got married. It's at the same church we got married in, uh, different priest. But in his homily, he said, if there's one thing you take away from my homily, every night before you go to bed, get down on your knees and say a prayer of thanksgiving for your spouse. Wow. Every night before you go to bed, get down on your knees and say a prayer of thanksgiving for your spouse. Right. Thank God that he had it in his plan to bring this beautiful person, this beautiful lady or this handsome man into your life to compliment and complete you. All right. Again, my mom always says I need to get down on my knees and say a prayer of thanksgiving for my, my wife because nobody else would take me. Oh. But again, that's oh. my mom. She does <laughs> no. it out of a place of love. She, oh. she says these things out of a place of love. But really, yeah. Every day, I, I thank God for for my wife. It's, it's one of the last things I do when I, I'm lying in bed. And I'm doing my daily exam. And, and part of that is, you know, Lord, thank you for all of the blessings you've showered upon me today. Especially I thank you for the blessing of my wife and the blessing of my son. Right? Because these are the people oh, that beautiful. make me complete
0: That's so in, in, our,
1: in our family. And so then from this, we develop a culture of thanksgiving within, within our family. Right? And that then leads to a, a, a culture of love and joy. Right, And so I, we need to be thankful for, for the big things. And so saying thank you to, to our spouse uh, on the momentous occasions. Right, so, for example, I just retired uh, after 28 years of teaching. And there was a number of, of different retirement engagements. And my wife was there and she's supporting and she's celebrating with me. But on the car ride home. It's like, thank you for coming out. Thank you for being a part of the special moment with me. Right. So thank you for the big things. Thank you for, for help during big events. Right. So again, after Thanksgiving dinner, say thank you to each other for all the different things you did, because if you're the one putting on Thanksgiving dinner for your family, there is a lot of work that's going into that. And both of you need to be, uh, Working together, that cohesive unit, and out of sacrifice to get that turkey on the table. Say thank you, say thank you, and and not just at the dinner table, but in a quiet moment afterwards. Thank you for all the hard work that that went into that, right? And thank yous in times of crisis, as well as you come out of a time of crisis. Uh, I think back. I mentioned my my dad. Uh, he passed away. Would be. Uh, Five years ago now, and as we came out of the funeral, I I thanked my wife for being the one that was there to support me through that. Uh, And again, thanks be to God, because how anyone can get through something like that without their faith, it it just baffles me. Um, But I thanked her for, for being at my side through that. When professional crises hit, being thankful that your spouse is there supporting and walking with you. And, and they might not be there when you have to go give that big presentation, but they're there picking up the laundry at home or washing the dishes or having the meal prepared. So being you know thanking them for, for those. But then we also need to be thankful in the mundane and little things as well. So as as nice as it is to say thank you for help with the turkey dinner at Thanksgiving. Thank you for the chicken nuggets that uh came out on a Tuesday or Wednesday night when everyone was exhausted and we didn't know what else to, to do. You know, like thank you for the 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 macaroni and cheese for the the craft dinner that came out. Because it, it still took effort to put something. Sometimes it takes more effort to put those little oven dinners together than it does for the 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 big hullabaloo's but then after that too and, and it's just something that's worked out in our marriage that whoever cooks then the other one does the dishes so thank you for cooking the dinner and as the other one's finishing up washing the dirty thank you for doing the dishes I can
0: see I can see where a lot of moms are going to want their husbands to watch the video,
1: <laughs> but it's these little things that that just it brings joy to to the marriage. Thank again, thank you for doing the laundry, thank you for cleaning the toilet, and and it's thanking these little things. I say it brings joy, but it also then it, it's recognizing the dignity and self worth of the other in that and so then the other one isn't there why am I always the one doing the dishes every night I'm always the one cooking dinner Uh, and I remember my wife shared one time and this is you know back 20-25 years ago she was out walking the dog and she met a neighbor and the neighbor was all grumbling don't be the one who's always cooking the dinner every night and you make sure that but probably because they weren't being thanked for it right and if we think we 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 see the the dignity of our spouse as being made in the image and likeness of God. And it's just in those little things, right? And being thankful just helps quell those bitter feelings that can come out, out of us. And once we develop this culture of thanksgiving in the home, it becomes a habit and we take that habit out into society, and we become thankful in society. And from that, we become a beacon to others. And it's by doing those little things then that we can actually end up changing the, the, the whole world. And so, like I said, from, from this, you know, we can see that the trust and forgiveness, humility, service and thanksgiving, you know, all leads me to the, the final point that really is the bedrock of our identity as a, a, a Catholic couple. And that's prayer. And again, coming back to to what Fulton Sheen was saying, you know, it takes three to be married—husband, wife, and God. We need to invite Christ into our marriages, and what better way to do that than than through prayer? And it reminds me also of the the saying of uh, Father Payton from the Rosary Crusades: "You know, the family that prays together stays together." Right? And, and there's just so much wisdom in all of this, and when we Come into our family life when we come into our marriage, and we we approach it from a place of faith. Uh, we start to realize what our main goal is in life. My 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 main job as a husband is to get my wife to heaven, and her main job as a wife is to get me to heaven. And as parents, it's our job to get our son to heaven. And for all of us, we need to work together to help get each other to heaven. Mm-hmm. All right you don't want to be getting to heaven and then meeting a friend or a neighbor who's going the other way and they're like, well, why didn't you tell me about this right So we're, we're, we're we have to, to work together. And this is through building our, our relationship with Christ within our marriages, within our families and it can begin with as simple as like grace before meals coming back to that notion of Thanksgiving and, and saying grace before meals uh, from that. And I know I, I've probably been rambling for forever and a day. So uh, from the, the, the grace before meals uh, and you can start with the standard. And then as you get comfortable with that, you can can add an elaborate and elaborate and give Thanksgiving to, to God and your family in different ways, but then do that in public as well. Say grace before meals when you're out at a restaurant, okay? especially some of those fast food chains, because if there's any food that needs a blessing set over it, it's the, the stuff that comes from the, the, the fast food places. right? And then let prayer permeate the rest of your, your life. Um, we would, we, we say a morning benediction as a family, right? Where we ask God to look after each one of us as we go about our day. And, and then we, we finish always that. We, you know, we say our prayer intentions and we, we, say a prayer of blessing over each other. And then we say the prayer to St. Michael, the archangel, because when we go out into the world today, we need all the protection we can get, right? And then from that, the sacramental life. And we started off talking about, you know, sacramentalizing marriages, but sacramentalizing our our entire lives, right? Getting to weekly mass, like Making it to mass on Sunday, making that a, a part of your identity as a family, but then get to a daily mass, as well. And if you can do that as a couple, all the better. Uh, people are, and thinking about doing stuff like that as a couple, people always look at us kind of strange. Our Friday date night is to go to adoration. Okay. Right? People are like, well, we're going out on date night it's Friday, it's date night. Where are you going? Well, we're going to the church for adoration. And people kind of look at you like this. But I, I have to tell you, there's been times in adoration. I'll sneak a peek over at my wife. And last Sunday, we had the readings of the transfiguration. I've seen my wife transfigured. in in adoration, right? And going, uh, it's our our monthly date is to to go to reconciliation. And I usually ask my wife for my list before I go in. Um,
0: (laughs) My my mom and dad used to do that all the time. My mom would say, you know, Joe, you know my sins better than me. What are they?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Write write them down for me. (laughs) Right. And and it's so from all of this is how we can build and strengthen our marriages on the the foundation of our faith. Now, like each individual, each marriage is a little bit different, and each one is going to rely on different parts of these in a different way. Like I said, for me, it's I'm not a marriage expert. I'm not a marriage counselor, uh, and according to my mom, I'm the the failing part in in our own marriage. But you know, this is. Twenty-seven years of reflection and seeing what makes us different. How did we? How are we one of the four couples that made twenty-seven years, where the others didn't? And it really is this this faith-filled foundation on our uh, of our marriage. And so, I would encourage all of the moms that are out there listening today. You have to know, have your husbands watch this as well. Because when I speak to the men's group, they get the same talk and, you know, pretty much the same stories. Uh, But take a look at at all of these these six parts of of our faith that can help strengthen our marriage. And the ship's not going to get turned around overnight. But look at what are the small things we can do in each of those areas to start building that foundation and continue to strengthen our our marriages over time.
0: Thank you so much, Robert, for just such a beautiful, beautiful reflection. I'm going to ask you just before we kind of close, um, you know, sometimes I, I, I chuckle, you know, like women chuckle. It, it, you know, it's always women that are reading the books on how to improve your marriage. Like, I don't know how many guys I've seen open crack open a book. How can I improve my marriage, right? Like very
1: often. I'm, not not enough. And it really should happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and so sometimes there's a real, like, struggle, Um That, you know, one party, whether it is the male or the female, is just like really wanting to pray together, really wanting to, um, you know, bring God into the marriage. And, you know, all too often, there have just been situations that I've heard of in the mom's ministry that um, either the husband has left the faith or, yeah, he's a Sunday Catholic, but it's real hard. uh, And do you have any kind of words of encouragement for, um, you know, moms that would like, uh, you know, a fuller communion in their marriage? Um, And some of them are like literally crying themselves to tears, right? Like, in any thoughts to those moms because gosh if all marriages kind of worked the way that you know you're 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 suggesting um
1: and again it would, it ours be, isn't perfect like no and, and I, <laughs>
0: I, I, it's not perfect i i know it's not perfect but just like if if there's some woundedness in a marriage or, and I know that you're not a counselor, but just any words of maybe what might be a gesture forward or what can, a, uh, you know, a mom or a husband do. Like one thing I'm going to tell everybody is that they should invite you to come to their parish and give this talk, not just to moms, but to couples, right. Or to the husband's Um I'm I'm hoping this does open up, you know, the door for you to, uh, you know, give Mm. this talk because I think it's needed. But just any closing thoughts to, um, you know, marriages that are struggling out
1: there or any resources that you recommend or. So, so, so three, I guess three things there. Number one, pray, 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 pray. Uh, And Don't get discouraged in your prayer and don't be looking for an overnight miracle. So pray is the first one. And the the second one from that is, like I said, don't get discouraged if you're not seeing changes overnight. Right. Um, I always talk about our prayer life and we can use the same analogy. I think with building the, the foundation a faith foundation for our marriage is that you you don't get up and just go run a marathon. Right. And and trust me, if I were to get up and you were to, to, you would know I'm not a marathon runner. Let's just put it by my silhouette. We'll just, we'll just put it that way. And we'll leave that at that. Uh, But those who are, they didn't start with running the marathon. They started with running around the block and then they you know, ran a kilometer or a mile, and then they did the ten k. They, they built up to that. So continue your your prayer life. Continue making small suggestions and, and take those baby steps. Right, I'm looking back at 27 years of of marriage and reflection when I when I talk about these things in our life, and there have been missteps along the way. I, I've tripped up more times than I, I'd like to admit. Uh, so don't get discouraged when you don't see one spouse or the other all of a sudden coming to the, the same level where you want them to be. It will take time. It probably took them time to get to where they they are now, and it's going to take time to get them where they're going. Meet them where they're at, but help them move from there.
0: Yeah, that's well. Yeah, the, I want to kind of share a little story before we uh, sign off because one of my recommendations too is is you know go to confession, get to confession, go to confession, get to confession. I remember um this is a true story. I don't know whether I should be sharing it publicly, but for the sake of uh the, the the hope that it helps at least one person I'll share it. But um you know my husband grew up in a very sports-oriented family, right? There was like a lot of sports. And the family that I grew up, we revolved our lives around the church. Like my mom was Legion of Mary. My dad was church organist. I took Polish lessons at the church. And so when we got married and as the kids got older, I had to deal with kind of like the shock of sports, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess I'm like, well, I, it's just brand new to me, um, you know, just brand new. And so I you know, would run into confession and, uh, you know, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And and then, of course, he's like, OK, this isn't to complain. This is to confess what your sins are, Dorothy. What are your sins? And, and he really, you know, he, he said to me something that it startled me. And it was good in that, like, Dorothy, you are very blessed to have a husband who is so involved with taking your daughter to basketball ringette and your son to hockey and to ringette and to AAA baseball. And and he said some women would die to have a husband that is that involved. And so you need to check your old Polish style family life at the door. And if it means you can't have family dinner at the kitchen table, but you're having a pizza at the arena, you enjoy it because you're blessed.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: And it was like someone sort of kicked me right in between, you know, because I was expecting, I don't know what I was expecting, but I had to face... You know, my sins, right? And 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 just even to the different paradigm he was raised in one particular way, I was raised in another particular way, and that what I saw was a personal grievance was actually a blessing and a gift, and it was like, oh my gosh, time to eat some humble pie, and I never did become the best hockey mom. I, I was always praying the rosary whenever I saw the checking right? I was Yeah, yeah. Service that someone was going to get hurt or get a concussion or whatever. But um you know, going to confession um has has really um helped helped me, you know, in in my marriage and sort of going okay, Polarski. Um, so
1: anyway, that was just a, a little. No, and, and I absolutely beautiful, and I, I think it's something that we all kind of need to hear. And like you say, we can all learn from it. Because as you're sharing that, I'm thinking back to again, our our own marriage and our own development as a, a couple, and it it takes time, and we're we're still growing as a couple, still growing as a couple, but coming from two very diverse backgrounds, right. And again, coming back to that notion that those two diverse backgrounds are to come together to be complementary and to help each other. And so what you maybe didn't see as a blessing, as Father rightly pointed out to you, it is a blessing. And it's your husband's strength that is then now helping to complete your children from an area that you aren't necessarily the strongest in. But that being said... That being said, maybe your husband is like, oh, you know, Dorothy, you know, church this and church that and true, But you know, he needs to say, well, look at the spiritual and faith development and, and the moral development that that's brought to your family.
0: Yeah, as and as well. And, yeah, he's he's actually, you know, he's been very good at saying, if it wasn't for your mom, I don't know, because he's he's a convert. Um mm-hmm to the Catholic faith. And so he was like, oh, was like your mom kept us on track. So he he is, you know, he is very good at, at recognizing, um, you know, me in that way. And, and as you say, it's a process, right? It, it yeah, is. A, yeah. It's yeah. a process. And, um, and it's a ongoing
1: process. An ongoing process. And, and having that humility to, to check our own egos and to see the strengths that our spouse brings into our relationship yeah, and as well.
0: Robert, the, the one thing, a story you might enjoy if you give this talk in the future at parishes, which I really hope that you do because you're so good at giving it. Uh, but another story um, it was that when, I, uh, uh, when we got married, we used to belong to a, a prayer group. And John Grant, you know, God bless him, um, he he said, you know, when, when you get married, you have to imagine that you have like this bank account in heaven and that there are hundreds and thousands of graces, of ideas of, that, that God wants to give you um, as a married couple. And most people forget to draw from God's bank account of supernatural uh, grace. And so... You know that's what a sacramental, you know, marriage is—that you have God in the middle of it, and God has more wisdom, obviously, than than you and your husband. And so, don't forget to draw from the that marital bank account. So oh, that
1: that is that is awesome. I, I love that. You know, I'm gonna I'll add that into the notes because yeah, no, that is perfect. Because we, again, that that notion of it takes three to get married and to draw on God's grace to help strengthen us because again, we're, we're human, we don't always have the strength or the energy to perform that sacrificial love. And we do need to draw on God's grace to help us through the, through those times. And we do need to draw on God's grace to, to grow as a couple. And, you know, from that and coming back to the, the notion of forgiveness that we, we spoke about and drawing on God's grace, you know, sometimes maybe we need to use Christ's words, and I and I've heard another priest say this too: like, you know, Father, forgive him because I just can't right now.
0: Or yeah. father, forgive You
1: good know, drawing on Christ, Father, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. But you know, Father, can you please forgive my 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 husband right now? Because I just can't. <laughs> I, I just I just don't have that in me. And as you progress through that, you will eventually get to the point where you can forgive and say yes you've hurt me but i love you anyways and that's where it comes to those difficult conversations can't be held in the place of father forgive him because i can't because if you start having those difficult conversations when you're not coming from a point of forgiveness uh it's not going to be good and so there's a little bit of wisdom that that comes in from that as well uh but it yeah. takes a concerted effort of both spouses with the grace of god to grow together and when you do stumble be there to help pick each other up
0: yeah so i'm suspecting that we might have to have you on again for a part 2 of this uh, of oh. this this, mm-hmm. uh, this talk so Um, Yeah. So anyway, you, um,
1: you you ladies are glutton for penance then. (laughs) No,
0: thank you. Thank you very much, Robert. Um, It was an absolute uh, pleasure and a joy chatting with you. And uh, I want to, I want to invite all of you moms to actually introduce your husbands to uh, Robert's podcast um can you just tell us a little bit about your podcast and where where moms can find it to send the link to their husbands
1: well the podcast is pints and pews uh can be found wherever you listen to your 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 fine catholic podcasts out there uh so a friend of mine uh i I guess now i have to say former colleague we we worked together for the last 10 years uh dennis and i um this grew out of our, our our faith and fellowship that we have. Like we we would be having these conversations all the time, and we, you know, once every couple of weeks we'd go out and have a pint of beer and we would talk about the faith. And then we finally one day said, "Well, why don't we just record these and throw them out there and and, and see where they they go?" Um, and they seem to have taken on. Uh, our tagline is, you know, we, we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. Uh, so we. We like to have a, a chuckle, Um, as hopefully you saw this evening. I like to throw, uh, you know, a little bit of, of humorous anecdotes in there. So we're, we're constantly, you know, teasing each other. It usually has something to do with the hairline and that that's, <laughs> you know, we're having a competition. Whose hair is going back <laughs> faster? Uh, we have a pint of beer. So we, we start off, we we introduce the beers that we're drinking. We try not to repeat. So we uh, always a a different beer from around the world. Uh, I like a lot of the Ontario craft beers as well in there. Uh, We'll talk the two of us about, you know, something in the faith that's caught our interest in the last couple of weeks, whether it's an article or, or just something that this is resonating with us we like to share a couple of saintly sayings so talk about some saint quotes and something new that we've started doing is um dennis tries to stump my my knowledge of all things liturgical so we, we throw that in but we also have we also have great guests that come on uh including yourself dorothy that that you came on uh a couple of months ago, uh, to talk about motherhood and moms groups, uh, and it's one of the the episodes that we've gotten a lot of great feedback over uh, the the story that that you've shared that your faith journey, and then how that led you into the the moms ministry. Uh, I'm trying to you know, off the top of my head, I can say we, we've had kids, we've had a lot of Keiths on uh, the show. We've but those that know the Archdiocese of Toronto as well. Uh, We've had uh, Father Matt McCarthy, who's our current uh, vocations director, our former vocations director, and my boss, the the pastor at St. Bernadette in Ajax, Father Chris Lemieux, we've had on. We had Father Eric Ma, who does the Catholic Latte podcast and and YouTube channel. We've had him on. Um, So just a we so
0: have... just moms, like make sure you send your husband to uh pints and pews because we might have a miracle or two. Uh you know, sometimes you know, sometimes husbands, when they begin to meet other men, you know, that have a deeper faith,
1: it begins to affect their faith. Men men's ministry, faith and fellowship is so so important. So if they're Is anything like that in your parish? You know, encourage your husbands to to go and meet these men. And yeah, guys sometimes have a hard time going cold or or meeting other men. But once they realize that there is this group of men and it's based on on a solid faith, uh, it, it just so many graces flow from that. So many graces have flowed from the the different men's ministries that I've been involved in. So I highly encourage that.
0: Yeah, because like a lot of guys just know the locker room friendships. They don't, you know, they they perhaps don't have, you know, a a male friend in Christ. uh, uh,
1: Yeah, a, a faith mentor. So yeah, send them for the pint. Tell them it's a beer podcast. We even had someone. We talked about about wrestling. We had John Dawson who wrote some of the mass settings. Some of the music that you hear at mass. We had him on not too long ago, but he also does a wrestling podcast. So we actually talk wrestling as well, but send them for the pint. And we'll do our best to get them in the pew.
0: Yeah, there we go. Perfect. perfect. Fair
1: enough. Fair
0: enough. Okay. So I just wanted to extend my um, thanks to all of you moms that are listening uh thank you for joining us and again if the holy spirit calls you to start a catholic moms group you know where you can go i always say it's three simple words catholic moms group.com thank you and thank you very much dennis thank you again
1: oh no i'm real i'm the better looking one
0: oh, dennis
1: is my dennis is the co-host but that's oh, my so, brain that's so sorry
0: hard. sorry my brain yeah i'm uh i'm i'm showing my
1: oh that that's okay like i said we, we do get people mix us up but i always say i'm the better looking one so it's, the one. i'm the one with more hair okay. we'll leave we'll leave it at that okay. thank you very much for the blessing okay. to be able to join you god bless dorothy thank you bye-bye